feeling a bit lightheaded. It's like you've been fasting for nine months and then we gorge on a massive packet of biscuits instead of easing our way back into singing. That was, that was wonderful to be able to sing that way, but I, I, think, uh, I think all those songs all at once was, yeah, it's not a way to break a fast. So if I collapse, maybe just uh, tap me on the cheek and uh, give me some water. How wonderful is it to be able to sing, though? Uh, it's great to be back for singing at Christmas. Um, I just want to mention a few things that are happening. Uh, Glenda prayed for the meeting today. Uh, and it's at 11.30. We're going to start at 11.30, so the families that go to the evening service know exactly what time we're starting. Uh, so please, uh, hang around. Hopefully it'll be hang around, or, uh, and we won't be delayed, but you might want to go get a cup of coffee and come back up uh, from downstairs. Also, uh, the carols is next week. It's come upon us quickly for obvious reasons. We do need some help with some things. Uh, firstly, we've printed over 2,000 brochures, uh, and we've allocated those into, I think it's about 12 different sections. They're on a table out in the foyer. Now, there's a variance from one little section has 40 um, pamphlets. Another one has over 300. So feel free to take one of those and distribute them. There's a map that comes with it, uh, and I'd really encourage you to do that. Uh, preferably, you work from the numbers. They're numbered 1 to 12 one being pretty much closest to the church and we're working our way out. So if you're able to do that, that's great. Or even just grab a few of the extras that are on the tables there and distribute to your friends. There's also a couple of lists that you can put on to help with setup or pack up or barbecue or food. So please, uh, but we're looking forward to next week. Uh, invite your friends, 5.30. We've got Jumping Castle, we've got a face painter, we've got Balloon Twister. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. So... Uh, and I don't think there's a lot of carols happening around here. So I think it's a great opportunity to engage with our community. Uh, the other thing I want to mention is our Christmas Day service is at 9am, not 10am. So please don't come at 10, come at 9am. Alright, well that's, uh, that's all the announcements I have. I'm going to read the Bible. Uh, I'm going to read from, and I haven't prepared anything up behind me, but I'm gonna pre this is what I'm preaching from today. Uh, it's from uh, Luke chapter Luke chapter 1, uh, verses 40, 40, uh, 46 uh, to verse 55. So it's Luke chapter 1, verse 46 to verse 55. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me. Holy is His name. His mercy extends to those who fear Him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with His arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Well, we're going to begin a series in the songs of Christmas. So let's pray and, uh, and we'll have a look closely at that. Heavenly Father, thank you that you are here with us now. Thank you for Christmas. Thank you that it is a time where we've heard all those names of Jesus have been affirmed and revealed to be true as you have uh, brought him into the world, an incarnation, God in the flesh, our Emmanuel, our Prince of Peace, our Man of Sorrows, 
the Lord of Lords, the King of Kings. And as we come this morning, Lord, and look at Mary's song in great jubilation in response to the announcements made to her as she becomes the mother of Jesus. Father God, give us great insight and challenge us about how we can magnify you during this Christmas time. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, one of the inventions that I think has been uh, a great uh, a great bonus and uh, has seen great developments, particularly in the medicine world, is the magnifying glass. Uh, before the magnifying glass, you could only really see what was on the surface. Now, you might think of Sherlock Holmes. My kids have a magnifying glass. They look closely at things. But the first microscopes were purely a magnifying glass. And the developments in microscopes since then has contributed to some great discoveries. Now, a few, great, few would be greater than the discovery about tuberculosis. Now, infectious diseases aren't just a part of 2020. They've been a part of human history. And 150 years ago, tuberculosis was killing one in seven people in Europe and the US. Uh, it, its existence in humans can be traced uh, back thousands of years. They found the remains of a mother and child off the coast of Israel uh, that they found tuberculosis in. And there's also uh, written uh, evidence of it in Indian, uh, in Indian Sanskrit uh, over 3,300 years ago. It's been known as the consumption. It's been known as the white plague. But treating it was always a mystery because no one really knew what it was. But in 1882, that all changed when Dr. Robert Koch, he announced the discoveries of, a bac of the bacteria that causes tuberculosis. And he did that because he was using a microscope. And as we speak, people are looking at COVID-19 to try to determine exactly what it is and vaccines are being created because they are using a mi microscope. See, magnifying something, magnification enables us to understand and see things in a detail that we can't see just from looking at the surface. It gives us greater understanding, it gives us greater depth, it gives us a great uh, change to be able to uh, respond rightly to when we find what is true about a disease, but it also is about people. When we encounter people, we see their surface. But until we spend time with them, we, see, uh, we, we have them under a magnifying glass in certain, certain situations, we start seeing their true character being magnified and we start to realise who they truly are. See, Mary's song is an expression of praise after Mary has encountered God on a magnitude of being magnified uh, firsthand. See, the Song of Mary has been known throughout church history as the Magnificat. It's the Latin for the word magnify. And while if you have the NIV there, I changed it when I read it, it says, my soul, in verse 46, glorifies the Lord. Well, really, it should say, my soul magnifies the Lord. Most translations have kept that. Uh, including the ESV, which is a more literal translation. See, my soul magnifies the Lord. Mary is exalting the Lord. This is an exclamation of praise, which leads into a song 
of magnification. Mary is magnifying the Lord with this song because she has seen the true character of God and what he's done for her and for his people Israel. And by magnifying the Lord, Mary exalts God concerning four things about his character in this song. And I'm going to give you an alliteration, which I haven't used for a while. Four M's. She looks at God's mindfulness, God's mercy, God's might, and God's memory. God's mindfulness, God's mercy, God's might, and God's memory. So if you have a look at verses 46 to 49, we see that, God, uh, that Mary is giving great praise to God for his mindfulness. I'll, I'll read it again. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour, for he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. Now, where it says God has been mindful, it means he has looked upon with favour. He has considered the humble estate of his servant. And when it talks about humble here, it's talking about Mary being part of the insignificant, the modesty of her circumstances. There was no wealth to talk about. She had no name. There was nothing about her that would bring blessing. In fact, she was probably looked down upon because she didn't have those things. So therefore, she hadn't been blessed by God. And what she's doing here is contrasting with, uh, with verses 51, 52 and 53. She's been lifted high when all those with all the riches, all the glory have been brought low by the Lord. He has humbled them. Now Mary, who by now is about 14 years old, she just had a couple of incredible experiences. She was visited by an angel, Gabriel. He called her highly favoured and then declares that she's going to be the mother of the Messiah, the promised saviour, God's own son. Now I just want you to imagine you as a 14-year-old woman. Now that's going to be half, uh, hard for half of you, including myself. But just imagine you're, you, you, you've encountered this angel and you're given this announcement. Now in this day and age... Imagine announcing that on Facebook, on social media. Imagine the trolls getting hold of that. Imagine the comments. Being, being, uh, claiming an encounter with an angel, well, that's going to need a year of therapy. We have to explain away this hallucination somehow, so there must be something in your past. Imagine the social fallout from your, from your friends and your social circles. You've just become pregnant or you're announcing that you're going to become pregnant and you're not even married yet. But Mary doesn't respond with concern for herself. Back in verse 38, she says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Now that's a great act of faithfulness. She then visits Elizabeth, whose baby, John the Baptist, jumps for joy in Elizabeth's womb when it hears Mary's voice. Elizabeth prophesies and confirms Mary as the mother of the Lord. 
Mary isn't even pregnant yet. And she's being praised, not because of anything of herself, but because she has been highly favoured to become the mother of the Lord. See, this is consistent with the calling of the youngest shepherd boy, David, back in Samuel. As the prophet Samuel goes through all of the sons of Eli, I think it's Eli, all the sons, he says, is there another one? Oh yeah, the young one out in the fields, the forgotten one. Well, he's raised up to be the great king of Israel. Moses, the discarded baby in a, in a, in a basket, who couldn't speak very well, is called as the prophet to confront, uh, to confront Pharaoh, to set uh, God's people free. Bethlehem, Ephrathah, the forgotten town that when they divvied up the land, it wasn't even mentioned it's so small, but that's the birthplace of Jesus. See, God chooses the most unlikely of mothers for Jesus. He always has. Mary is exalting the Lord because he has even considered her. The one by her circumstances would not have been considered blessed will now be considered blessed. Praise God for his mindfulness. I want to encourage you in that. This isn't a one-off. This is who God is. Whatever your circumstances, whatever your status, your bank account balance, your intellectual capacity, your physical or mental health, God is mindful of you. He considers you. He knows you. He is with you and you are truly blessed because at Christmas God's son was born so that you are remembered and that you can have faith and have peace with God and a peace that transcends all understanding. You see, God is mindful of us. Praise him. Well, secondly, Mary praises God for his mercy. Have a look at verse 50. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. See, God's love, God's mercy, God's loyalty, they're all interconnected attributes of God's character. Now, as a definition, mercy is not getting what we deserve. If you want a catch cry of our generation, or maybe a catch cry of all generations, it is justice. You see, justice is getting what you deserve. We call for justice upon those who have done wrong. Now, I know that within myself, when I hear of someone who's uh, done uh, awful things uh, against the law, against children, and they go to prison, and then you hear that the inmates have then done something to them, my first response is, excellent, they're getting what they deserve. We want people to get what they deserve. In many respects, it's a prevailing assumption we have on all our circumstances. I worked in the city for many years, and I know most of the attitudes when people look upon the homeless is that, well, they must have done something. They don't work hard enough. They're getting what they deserve. 
The danger is when we apply this thinking to the day that we stand before God and are judged for our life. See, we then have a problem because we're told there will be a judgment and the standard to which we will be judged is a standard we were created to live by and that standard is God's character. It is his perfection. See, we are destined for justice. We will get what we deserve. But Mary says, praise be to God that his character, the perfect character, is not only just. He is not only the just judge, but he is the merciful one. And because of that, we don't always get what we deserve. See, because of God's mercy, Israel didn't get what they deserved. And Mary recognises this. The rejection of God over and over again, the worship of false gods, the setting up of temples and altars to false gods, the idolatry, the sin, the injustice, the oppression, the falsehood, the rejection of God. Well, there's only one thing that that deserves, and that is justice, which means punishment. Yet here is the announcement of the promised Messiah, the saviour of the world. Not only is Mary magnifying the Lord because of his blessing to her, but because of his blessing to all of Israel, but all of humanity. In fact, the announcement of the birth of Jesus is showing mercy to all people. He is sending the promised saviour of the world. So that not only will justice be served, but his mercy will be expressed. Praise God for his mindfulness and praise God for his mercy. Because the one who is to be born will die in your place on the cross. And when you put your faith in him, not only does he take on the, what you deserved but you don't get what you deserve, and that is mercy. Well, thirdly, Mary is magnifying God because of his might. Have a look at verse 51. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. See, this section is contrasting with the blessing he has given to the humble circumstances of Mary. Jesus, in his ministry, simply summed it up like this. The first will be last, and the last will be first. See, throughout history, we see God humbling the proud. When we looked at the book of Daniel earlier this year, we saw Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. He stand loftily on all his, all, he looked over all his, create, all, all his kingdom. And he had this huge self-praise session. How wonderful am I? How great am I? Look at all that I've done. And in the very next moment, God sent him away with a mind like an animal, to live in the wilderness, to humble him, until he came and declared that the God of Israel, the God of Daniel, 
is the true God, the sovereign, the only all-powerful God and all things and all rulers and everyone is in his hands. God humbles the proud. See, God's character has always been for the widow and orphan. The pride, the prestige, the power that permeate the leadership of the world and oppress those without. That's where God's heart is, to humble the proud and to lift up the oppressed, the most vulnerable in our society. And while he says you will always have the poor amongst you, it is the poor that breaks his heart and for which he comes and brings great hope and joy. See, God's mighty, de de mighty deeds to bring down the proud and arrogant rulers are being praised here by Mary. The incarnation itself, God in the flesh, our Emmanuel, being born into the flesh, well, that's a truly mighty act of mercy upon those who are suffering. To come and suffer with us. To be the suffering servant. I did not come to be served, but to serve. Not only does he humble the proud, but he shows that he is the great God of humility. He is nothing is beneath him when he needs to fulfill the promises to his children, to show the depths of his love for those that he calls his own. See, in the incarnation, the God of the universe is identifying with us. The all-power, ever-present, all-knowing, perfect Lord of all, taking the form of a servant, a slave, to come and seek and save the lost. See, there's no mightier deed than this. The true expression of his justice, his mercy and his love. In his birth, in his life, in his death and in his resurrection. It's where his justice, his mercy and his love all meet. On that cross, the blood-soaked cross, hanging with a broken body, the God of all, laying down his life for you, conquering sin and death, overcoming once and for all the bondage to sin that we were all under. See, Mary's praise for and magnification of God's mighty deeds is one that is echoed in, in Psalm 98. It says, Sing to the Lord a new song. For he has done marvellous things. His right hand and his holy arm have worked salvation for him. The Lord has made his salvation known and revealed his righteousness to the nations. He has remembered his love and his faithfulness to Israel. All the ends of the earth have seen the salvation of our God. Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Make music to the Lord with the harp, with the harp and the sound of singing, with trumpets and the blast of the ram's horn. Shout for joy before the Lord the King. Let the sea resound and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Let the rivers clap their hands. Let the mountains sing together for joy. 
Let them sing before the Lord, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples with equity. What a great day to start singing again about the birth of Jesus. Let all the earth resound with God's mindfulness, with his mercy and with his great deeds. And finally, praise God for his memory. Have a look at verses 54 and 55. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. See, the resounding triumph that comes with Jesus' birth is the fulfilment of God's promises, that he hasn't forgotten us. He hasn't forgotten his people. He has remembered them. Just as he remembered Noah in the ark and didn't forget about him. Just as he remembered Abraham as he was, uh, as he was destroying Sodom and Gomorrah. Just as he remembered Rachel who desired to have a child. Just as God remembered his covenant with the Israelites, even though they were grumbling and groaning about the lack of living conditions, despite having just saved them out of slavery to Egypt. And the list goes on and on. Praise God for his memory. He's not one who forgets his promises. See, Christmas is the time we see God has remembered his promise in their, promises in their fullness. In fact, Hebrews says that every promise has its yes in Jesus. We know God remembers us. He is committed and willing not just to send his son into the miry clay of the flesh. See, not only has Jesus come into the fallenness and brokenness, but he has become broken for us. That is the commitment of God's memory to his promises. He will never leave us. He will never forsake us. And while with the psalmist at times you may cry out, why have you forgotten me, Lord? You may lament about what is happening in the world and in your life. You can hold on to the reality that he has not forgotten you. And we know this because he came in the flesh. And he died in that flesh, body broken for you. God has not forgotten us. And Christmas is the great reminder of that. And what a year to remember that. There are people all over the world that need to know that God has not forgotten them. And as they cry out to him, where are you, Lord? We can point to the birth, the life, and the death of Jesus to say he has not forgotten you. He has suffered with you and for you. And there's no better way to do that than in song, to remember these things, to remember the mindfulness, the mercifulness, the might and the memory of God. Mary's song, what a wonderful expression of praise to magnify the Lord Jesus at Christmas? Well, here's the question for us. How are you magnifying God this Christmas? This morning, I, I, I was just looking at the news and there was 
flocks of people in London who were willing to give up their whole life to get the perfect Christmas present and to make sure Christmas was good because they could buy their presents. Go home and have a look at the pictures of all these people in COVID-ridden London willing to risk their life to just pack into the shopping centres to make sure that Christmas is still Christmas. Because for them, it's about the presents. Well, for us, it's about the Lord Jesus Christ. We don't need to flock to the shops. We just come and bow in worship and praise because a truly great Christmas is not one where there's presence under the tree, but there is praise for the magnification of God's name and his character. So how are you magnifying him this Christmas? Well, next week we have carols. Why don't you invite a friend? Why don't you invite someone who doesn't know the Lord Jesus? Just to be with us and just to spend time with us. That would be a great start. And let's make the Lord Jesus central to all that we do this Christmas. Father God, thank you for the word made flesh. Thank you that this Christmas we seek to magnify your holy name. We seek to magnify your character. Father, we thank you that you are mindful of us, that despite our humble circumstances, you do not forget us. Father God, thank you for your mercy, that because of the life, death and resurrection of Jesus, we will not get what we deserve. And Father God, thank you that you love us beyond a love can express. Thank you that you continue to show your mighty deeds and that you will never forget us, that your memory is firm and those promises that have been fulfilled in Jesus are all we need to know that you remember us. So Father God, as we go into this Christmas, bless us with a magnification of you to bring great joy to the world as we see a revival for your kingdom at the end of this year of COVID. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen.